Welcome to These Occult Stories, a podcast featuring stories submitted by listeners like you that concern those eerie, disturbing, and frightening events from our lives that are often swept under the rug to avoid scrutiny from our seemingly rational fellows. It is my aim to lift the rug entirely, shaking loose whatever has been hidden away. Whether it be true crime, an apparently supernatural occurrence, a run-in with a cryptid, or even a creepy neighbor you caught staring into your bedroom window at night. I highly encourage you to submit your story. We'd love to hear it. All stories can be submitted to theseoccultstories at gmail.com. Again, that's theseoccultstories at gmail.com. To stay up to date with new content, new features, etc., be sure to follow me on Instagram at these underscore occult underscore stories. I'm looking forward to sharing content with you regularly and accompanying you on long, lonely, dark car rides. a clear day in late spring, the sort of day in which one wears the minimal. Shorts and a tank top would easily suffice. On the winding roads of Crow Ridge, the area in which I was raised, the trees broke most of the wind that made its way through, and the sun kept the body comfortably warm. For all of my childhood, I'd been walking those roads and exploring the trails through the woods that bordered them. This day was no different. With my sneakers lazily tied, I set out for my usual route. Crow Ridge sat atop a series of foothills with considerable elevation, and each house that rested there was spaced roughly a quarter of a mile apart. It was nice. Every resident had a large yard full of natural growth and plenty of privacy. Even so, Everyone knew each other by name, and all were relatively friendly. It was nothing to wander into a neighbor's yard when you were little, if only to turn up logs and rocks to find a toad or two. No one cared. If one was feeling extra adventurous, they'd gain no attention for wielding a machete to go clear some paths in the woods to then establish a makeshift fort. It's all we had to do then, and to us, it was so much. Deer, too, would comfortably visit the yards to feed on the salt licks that the homeowners would set out. It really was a peaceful place. If you happened to have a trampoline in your yard, you were likely to be the most popular hub available. Throughout our adventures in the area, all in our early adolescence, we never encountered anything unusual. The same animals and insects. The same landscapes featuring curvy dirt paths, steep hillsides, trees full of leaves, and hidden meadows abounded, and we explored every inch. Perhaps the strangest creatures around were the neighbors next to my house. They were highly religious and held everyone accountable to their strange expectations. 
tattoos, strange haircuts, rebellious behavior, cursing. They wanted none of it. But they were more or less harmless, besides incessantly treading past the boundaries of their property into my own. There was nothing extraordinary to speak of. That's what we thought then, anyway. Sure, while in the woods, we'd happen upon massive logs bundled into a crude A-frame structure, or hordes of berries stashed inside them in heaps. But we never thought anything of it. Deeper in the woods, there was a valley in which past residents had made into a junk pile. In an attempt to make a proper fort, a rather steel one and then brand it, we'd take tossed furnishings and place them inside the A-frame structures, and all our efforts remained undisturbed. It seems odd to reflect back on those times and have no memory of any strange encounters. Where could it have been hiding all that time? decided to take that walk through my old stomping grounds in the woods. I was so comfortable with the territory that I was boldly having a phone conversation as I escaped deeper into the trails. The foliage bordering them was so thick that you couldn't see beyond a foot into their branches. But with all those branches, you'd hear anything that was stirring inside. Deer and rabbits, usually, or the occasional turtle nothing harmful. Now the deer could grunt if they were defensive, which is an unnerving sound if you've never heard it. But we learned over the years it was never much of a threat, unless, of course, it was an aggressive buck and we knew to keep our distance. The deer, peaceful as they are, have strange ways about them after all. The most dangerous occupants of the forest, to my knowledge, were the other folks that wandered them aimlessly. A couple older guys in the area would carelessly ride ATVs through the trails at dangerous speeds, and they were a very real danger if they didn't see you around a sharp corner. But they were easily detected for miles away, and were easily avoided. There was a confrontation once with one of them. My friends and I, after one of our junkyard raids, had unintentionally left a table leg post in the middle of the main trail. We later learned from the alpha of that ruthless group that when they'd been riding their four-wheelers, they hit the leg post and it shot up from under the wheel, resulting in a nasty wound on one of the rider's heads. To send the message more clearly, perhaps, he had a machete lazily resting over his shoulder while sharing the story. Needless to say, the message was received loud and clear. We didn't make that mistake again. On this day, however, something was different. Even years later, I hadn't forgotten how loud these woods were with birds, but I heard none that day. 
Had I not been invested in my phone call, I'd have been more sensitive to the unsettling silence. I should mention that the area was notorious for Sasquatch sightings. Now, I wasn't aware of this until a few years later. After checking the National Registry for sightings, I discovered that the tri-state area, particularly those avenues of the Wayne National, are hotspots for such encounters purportedly. After what I experienced, I have no doubts in that regard. I was in deep enough by this point to no longer hear the neighbors shouting casually to each other from their large yards. The traffic on the main road, too, grew distant and muffled. The trail stretched forward about half a mile, and the sharp right turn was approaching. Of course, I knew the route well from years of walking it, and I didn't hesitate to continue. At that time of the season, the goldenrod bushes make the way gleam with their saffron brilliance, and the smells of the blossoms throughout are overwhelming. Still, though, no sign of wildlife. I didn't hear any four-wheelers either. I figured I was just lucky, and that I had picked the opportune time for my walk. I was about a mile and a half in when my phone call became heated. We'd had a recent disagreement, and my friend was clearly upset with me over it, and was clumsily seeking to bury the hatchet. It wasn't going well, and I was irritated. I was also starting to sweat. All the ups and downs of that terrain was wearing on me. to my left, maybe ten feet out into the thicket. There was an abrupt shuffling noise. I stopped talking. After examining where I thought the source of the noise would be, and hearing nothing further, I continued talking. But after a few more sentences, the noise returned. It was large, large enough to rustle the limbs of a tree not too far off. I assumed it was a deer, and then I thought it might be one of the younger kids hiding and practicing with his pellet gun. That sort of thing happened out here quite often. I ended my phone call and faced the source of the noise. I called out, now lacking a bit of confidence, declaring that I was on the trail and they needed to take their gun elsewhere. I figured, too, that if it was a deer, this would be enough to frighten it off. Nothing happened. No noise. No reply. No retreat. I wasn't sure why I was so nervous. My leg began shaking, and it was hard to gather my voice. Not once had anything in these woods made me feel this way. That silence lasted forever. 
The mind races in moments like that, rallying between calculations of safety and spontaneous observations of the environment. I noticed the string of blackberry bushes a few feet off, and I can remember wondering how and when they'd gotten there. I had no recollection of their being there before. Finally, I ducked and picked up a sizable bit of sandstone. After some careful consideration of the proximity of the noise and myself, I lightly tossed the stone towards it. I instantly learned this was a mistake. As soon as the stone landed, the thing, for lack of a better word, bolted to the right at an unreal speed, tearing up brambles and roots and breaking limbs from trees as it tore through the brush. It had great heaving breaths, and the impact of its two limbs against the dirt and roots made awful, dry slapping thuds. These were not the sounds of hooves. The tree limbs I could see shattering against this thing's weight were not low to the ground. They were five feet and well above on the trees, and this observation was alarming. To have that much force implied a creature of incredible size and force. All of this happened in an instant. It stopped suddenly, now only six feet or so from where it originally was and it drew a deep, hoarse breath. A shriek came from it unlike anything I'd ever heard, either in life or in film. It was like the roar of a lion mixed with the trumpeting of an elephant, and the noise paralyzed me. While I was frozen, I could only await the next movement, listening helplessly to its breathing and shuffling in the roots and dirt. I'm not jumping to any conclusions about what it was, but I have read since the incident that great apes have the unique ability to emit low-frequency sounds that can cause paralysis in their intended targets. As far as what I experienced, I can offer no other explanation for what occurred. We remained in our positions, I motionless, now at the mercy of whatever stalked me beyond the veil of the wild shrubbery and the thing itself. Huffing terribly, making strange noises that bordered on guttural snarls that shattered into strange high-pitched moans. It went on for what must have been a full 30 seconds before I could will my body to respond. Every nerve in my body refused me, but my fear turned to anger, and soon I began to slowly turn back, pivoting slightly toward the path from which I had entered. I dared to take the first step. As my foot landed, the thing stepped toward the same direction. Again, I heard the doll slap, the sound of a heavy, forceful foot. The huffing and snarling continued, and then went quiet. I took another slow, tactful step. Again, my movement was mirrored. 
branches, brambles, and deadfall crunched beneath its tremendous weight. I was tempted to run, but somehow, instinctually maybe, I knew it was foolish to run from a pursuing animal. I took another step, and another from the thing followed. More incredible crunching and huffing breaths as if it was panicked too, perhaps, and it was struggling to maintain normalized respirations. And it went on and on, the endless game of cat and mouse. I was covered in sweat, but it wasn't from the heat. Frightened as I was, my body complied with my cautious plan, slowly taking step after step, constantly awaiting the fall of the next dull thud and crunch. For something to have such a gravity to the weight of its feet, I could imagine the size and power it must boast, and, by comparison, my own meekness. From what I could infer, it would be no labor for it to snap my kneecaps, force a limb from my frame, and naturally kill me. Eventually, after what seemed like hours of this timid plan, I met the junction in the trail at which it turned abruptly left, backed towards the main road. I quietly stepped into the turn and waited. Again, the dull thud followed but it seemed to continue forward, not recognizing I had changed course. And the game continued, but as I continued on in the new direction, it maintained its straight path off into the distance. reached the main road, I maintained my pace, scared beyond reason that if I obeyed my impulse to run, it would be the final impulse of my young life. I made it home safely, but I was drowning in thoughts of the past, thoughts of my childhood. How many times had my childhood friends and I nearly crossed paths with that thing? How had we never once encountered it? And what the hell was it? I'm convinced we'd explored every bit of those woods throughout the years. We were probably more comfortable there than anywhere else. We felt those woods were ours. But perhaps we'd only been entertaining a very temporary visitor's pass. I told a few friends about the experience, and my retellings were often met with laughter and disbelief. And I eventually stopped sharing the story altogether and I never entered those woods again. It wasn't until years later that I met a coworker that had an undying obsession with Bigfoot legends, and it was he that referred me to the Registry of Sightings. Near my childhood home is a nature reserve known as Lake Vesuvius, and coincidentally, it's a well-known hotspot for Bigfoot researchers. I consider myself fortunate for only having had the one experience. It's an experience I wouldn't wish on anyone. I've gone camping in nearby areas since, 
and there have been a few times I felt similar lurking presences, and each time, they've been enough to send me packing. Mind your ears when you're in the woods, and try not to convince yourself you're just hearing things. Thank you.